This is the Voice Over Work podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services. Today is Friday, September 24th, 2021. On the podcast today, we'll take a little deeper look into a book introduced in a previous podcast with a chapter-by-chapter look at Uneducated, What We Didn't Learn in School, written by Joe Hinchliffe, narrated by Russell Newton. Personality. Confront the dark parts of yourself and work to banish them with illumination and forgiveness. Your willingness to wrestle with your demons will cause your angels to sing. August Wilson. Health. When health is absent, wisdom cannot reveal itself, art cannot manifest, strength cannot fight, wealth becomes useless, and intelligence cannot be applied. Herophilus. There once lived a fabulously wealthy king. Not only did the king possess money, he had time. He was kind, generous, and considerate of those less fortunate than him. However, his people were not happy. Why? He was extremely lazy. Of all the opportunities the king was presented with, he invested most of his time, energy, and effort into eating and sleeping. Weeks and months the king would spend in bed. The people started to worry about the couch potato king, as they called him. As time passed, the king realized he couldn't move his body, not even lift his leg from the bed. This was when the king thought, What's the point of all this wealth, all this money and time, if I don't have my health? I have all these years ahead of me, all this life to live, yet my health restricts me. But the worst part is, there's nothing in my way to change. And I don't. I stay the same. I must take care of my health. I must make the most of my youth. I'll never be any younger than I am at this moment. And, with the motivation to improve his health, the king hired an expert. Hearing the king's desire to be healthy, the expert instructed the king to meet him at his place of work at the other side of the city, approximately 10,000 steps away. After strenuous effort, many attempts, and days of trying, the king could get out of bed. From there, his aides got the king into a cart, and the king arrived at the expert's place of work. The king was bitterly disappointed when the expert told development. Every moment of one's existence, one is growing into more or retreating into less. Norman Mailer A young boy went to his grandfather and proudly declared, I will be very successful when I grow up. Can you give me any tips on how to get there? The grandfather nodded and without saying a word took the boy by the hand and walked him to a nearby plant nursery. There, the two of them chose and purchased two small trees. They returned home and planted one of them in the garden. The other was placed in a pot and kept indoors. "'Which one do you think will be the most successful in the future?' asked the grandfather. The boy thought for a moment and said, "'The indoor tree. It's protected and safe, while the outdoor one has to cope with the elements.' "'We'll see,' replied the grandfather, shrugging his shoulders. Both plants were carefully tended to over the coming years. The boy— now a young man came to visit again. You never really answered my question from when I was a boy. How can I become successful? 
The old man took the young man by the hand and showed him the indoor tree, and then he led him outside to look at the towering outside tree. Which one is greater? the grandfather asked. The outside one, but that doesn't make any sense. It has to cope with many more challenges than the inside tree. The grandfather smiled. Yes, but the risk of dealing with challenges is worth it, as the tree has the freedom to spread its roots wider and its leaves toward the sun. Young man, remember this if you want to be successful. If you choose the safe option all of your life, you will never grow and be all that you can be. If you're willing to face the world head-on, with all of its dangers and challenges, the sky's the limit. The same is true for all of us. If we choose this... Three, strengths versus weaknesses. A genius in the wrong position could look like a fool. Adowu Koyanikin. Have you ever been swimming in a river? Or any water with a current, maybe at a water park? You can notice it too when rowing a boat, the momentum of the water. The ease, flow, and effortlessness of going with the water's current. You feel like you could do this all day. It's relaxing and empowering. The water looks calm, yet you glide through at speed, reaching your destination smoothly. And then, it's time to turn around and go the opposite way, against the current. You notice the power in the natural movement of water. The difficulty to go back the way you came is incomparable. The effort required is exhausting, your speed is demoralizing, and your destination looks further and further away. Almost mirage-like, except you know it isn't, because that's where you started. Your movement through the water is similar to working with your strengths and weaknesses. Using your strengths to reach your goal is like going with the water's natural current. You have a sense of flow, make progress with ease, and most likely enjoy doing the activity. It requires less brain power, and therefore you can maintain the activity for longer. As a result, progress feels constant and your goal clear. On the other hand, weaknesses are like going against the current. You need more effort, determination, and willpower to progress towards your goal. You feel the struggle. You feel the energy it takes, and frustration builds. Banging your head against a brick wall is apt. Strengths and weaknesses are all-encompassing. Like atoms, everybody and everything is made from them. They don't discriminate. How we build our life to work around them is where the for for birth order. How parents interact with each child as he or she enters the family circle determines in great part that child's final destiny. Kevin Lemon. Let me tell you a story. It's probably a story you know well and heard countless times before from friends and family. It's about two siblings. Both have the same parents, live in the same house, in the same country, on the same street. They share the same school and attend the school for an equal number of years. At Christmas and birthdays, they receive the same value. Every effort has been made to treat the siblings the same. Yet despite all the similarities between the two, the siblings have entirely different personalities. The oldest is conscientious, a list-maker, hard-driving, critical, serious, and doesn't like surprises. The second child is independent, many friends, a maverick, peacemaker, loyal to friends, and secretive. This is me and my sister Amy. We share 50% of our DNA, 
and close to 100% of our upbringing, and yet we differ like chalk and cheese. I find it fascinating that this, this story could describe any two-child family where the children are born five years apart or less. If you add a third child, again, born fives apart, the last born child would display the following traits. Attention seeker, people person, precious, engaging, affectionate, and love surprises. This is the effect of birth order. Your position in the family shapes your personality. Why B.O. matters. Have you ever wondered why you clash with your mom but get along well with your dad? Why you're attracted to a specific type of person? Or why you struggle daily with not being good enough? All the answers can be found with birth order. 5. Finding your why. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any now. Friedrich Nietzsche Before the traveler arrived in Marrakesh, he decided to set a new routine, to visit the desert every morning to collect his thoughts and clear his mind. On his first journey, he saw a man lying on the sand, feeling the ground with his hands and pressing his ear to the sand. Madness, thought the traveler. Every morning, for around a month, the traveler saw the man. Eventually, his curiosity bubbled over, and he approached the man. Kneeling beside him, the travelers asked, What are you doing? The desert cries. I offer it solace and lessen its loneliness. I wasn't aware the desert could cry. Every day it cries. It wishes to be useful to humans. It wishes to know why it is here. What is its use? Tell the desert it is of use, and it accomplishes it very well, the traveler proclaimed. Every time I stroll through here, the vast open space reminds me of the small part humans play. When I look at its sand, I picture the billions of people worldwide and how all the small parts make up the whole. We may not be able to grow food in the desert like we can in a field, but it does provide perspective and mindfulness. The traveler left the man and went about his day. Surprisingly, the stranger was still in the same place and position when he returned. Did you tell the desert everything I mentioned yesterday? The traveler asked. The man nodded. And it keeps crying? The sobs are louder, replied the stranger, leaning his ear on the sand. Now the desert cries because it spent millions of years believing it was useless. So much suffering when it had a purpose all along. The Traveler Thought 6. Beliefs Tell people there's an invisible man in the sky who created the universe, and the vast majority will believe you. Tell them the paint is wet, they have to touch it to be sure. George Carlin A marathon is a challenging distance to run. It's been said that participants hit the wall with five miles left. They require preparation, training, and focus. The stress on both your body and mind is high. Now, imagine what it takes to run 21 consecutive marathons as a race. To beat yourself, overcome others, and be the first to the 550-mile finish line. This is what runners of the Sydney to Melbourne race face. 1983 was the inaugural event, and Cliff Young, a 61-year-old cowhand, decided to enter. Cliff was an amateur runner. He lacked competitive experience, and age was against him. The one thing Cliff had going for him 
was a burning belief that he would complete the event. There were calls to have him banned for his safety, but where there were rules to stop runners being too young, there were no rules for being too old. Reluctantly, the organizers allowed Cliff to participate. It was a hot, sunny day in Sydney when Cliff rolled up to the start line wearing overalls and waterproof shoes made of rubber. The shoes brought howls of laughter from the spectators and press. It was to nobody's surprise when Cliff the cowhand was lagging behind the seasoned runners right from the start. His strange way of running, dragging his feet along the ground like a cross-country skier, added to the lack of surprise. It was to the world's amazement when Cliff took the lead on the very first night, rather than stop for a break like most... 7. Fear Becoming fearless isn't the point. That's impossible. It's learning how to control your fear and how to be free from it. There was once a town where most of the inhabitants feared entering a cave. Everyone who had gone inside never returned. The last that was heard of each individual was a scream of terror. The first people to enter were the town's most brave, leaving the remaining villagers too scared to enter. Over time, a myth circulated that a monster lived in the cave eating those who entered. To appease the beast, the villagers left food and items of value at the opening. One day, a young woman came into town, heard about the situation, and thought it was silly. So she decided to enter the cave with the intention of returning to prove to the villagers the cave was free of monsters and there was no need to live in fear. Hearing about the young woman's intentions, a crowd of people followed her to the mouth of the cave, but would go no further. Entering with only a flaming torch, she explored the cave step by step, calling out to the monster. Eventually, the silence was broken when the young woman heard a laugh deep inside the cave, so she pressed on following the sound. Suddenly, the monster went quiet, and the young woman frantically looked around, fearing the beast was upon her. Nothing happened. Taking a deep breath, she continued. Finally, the young woman arrived at a vast cavern, and at the bottom she could make out a figure. As she approached the shadow, something hit her hard on her back, and the young woman fell forwards into a black hole. The shock and the fear of falling to the bottom caused the young woman to scream. That was the last the villagers heard of the brave young woman. 8. Conscientiousness Number one characteristic associated with diligent achievement, Jordan Peterson. Tim Ferriss is the author of The 4-Hour Workweek. Published in 2007, it offers advice on working less by outsourcing and prioritizing. In theory, Tim's goal is to help you work a 4-hour week. The book has become tremendously popular despite the prospect for pulling off a 4-hour week being low. Having sold millions of copies worldwide, it is no doubt a bestseller. Surprisingly, 25 publishers rejected the book. According to the Harvard Business Review, the 26th publisher said yes, not because they loved the book's concept, but because they believed Ferris would do everything within his power to make sure it sold. Like Tim, Vincent van Gogh had a similar struggle, painting 900 paintings in his lifetime and only selling one. Sadly, he went to his grave thinking he was a failed artist.
Though Vincent did not benefit from fortune and fame in his lifetime, he remained committed to realizing his artistic vision. No one was interested in buying his paintings while he was alive. Van Gogh continued to put the work in and paint what he saw. Of course, over time, Van Gogh's commitment paid off. He is included among the greatest painters of all time. His paintings are in high demand, forcing up the price to many millions of dollars per piece. Both Tim and Vincent have their diligence, persistence, goal-striving, and competence in common. All facets that make up a conscientious person. Define When I first heard the word conscientious, I didn't fully understand its meaning. 9. Positivity Attitude is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Optimism is a choice. Kindness is a choice. Giving is a choice. Respect is a choice. Whatever choice you make, makes you. Choose wisely. Roy T. Bennett In the last lesson of the week, a professor entered the classroom and announced a surprise test. Hearing this, the students got anxious and started thinking about what would be on it. The professor distributed the question paper, with the front side facing down. After handing out all the papers, he asked the students to turn the page and begin. There were no questions on the test, to everyone's surprise, only a green dot in the center of the page. The students were startled and looked at the professor in disbelief. The professor addressed the students. I want you to write a few lines about what you see on the paper. At first, the students thought it was a joke. Realizing the professor was serious, they started to write. When everyone finished with the test, the professor collected the papers and read aloud each of the class's answers. Without exception, all the students had written about the green dot, talking about its position, size, etc. After reading out all the answers, the professor spoke again. None of you will be graded on this test. I want you to think about something. All of you wrote about the green dot. None of you wrote about the white part of the paper. The same thing happens in our lives, too. We all have a white paper to observe and learn from, yet our focus is always on the green spots. We have so many reasons to celebrate. Our parents, co-workers, friends, good health, a job, a child's smile, the miracles we witness every day, and so on. However, we... 10. Perspective One person's craziness is another person's reality. Tim Burton. There once was a farmer who had worked his crops for many years. One day his horse ran away, and upon hearing the news, the farmer's neighbors came to visit. Such bad luck, they said sympathetically. Perhaps, the farmer replied. The next morning the horse returned, bringing three other wild horses. What great luck, the neighbors exclaimed. Perhaps, replied the farmer. The following day, the farmer's son attempted to ride one of the untamed horses, was thrown and broke his leg. The neighbors returned to offer their sympathy for his misfortune. Perhaps, answered the farmer. The day after, military officials came to the village to draft young men into the army. Seeing that the son's leg was broken, they passed him by. The neighbors congratulated the farmer on how well things had turned out. Perhaps, said the farmer.
We've all had experiences where the curse turns into a blessing. Rejection turns into redirection. And the unanswered prayer is the best thing that could have happened to us. This happened to me when I bought a hair salon, Jessup Hairdressing, in Hemsworth, West Yorkshire, England. The year was 2012. I was 21, and I believed with everything I had that Jessup Hairdressing was going to earn our investment back within two years. Working in accounts at the time, I looked at the numbers and determined it was an excellent investment, not once considering I could be wrong with my limited knowledge. A few weeks after the purchase was completed, it became apparent that the turnover was not as high as the years before. Jessup Hairdressing would do well. Summary Personality Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Abraham Lincoln Before we move on to the second half, skills, I'll briefly summarize the personality section. Ten words or less for each chapter. Health. Health is priority. Without it, we can have nothing else. Development. To achieve more, we must become more. Strengths and weaknesses. Be aware of your weaknesses. Improve and use your strengths. Birth order. Understand how birth order shapes you. Finding your why. Focus on what matters most now. Beliefs. Align your beliefs with your goals. Fear. To surmount your fears, become more than them. Conscientiousness. Achieve your goals by increasing your conscientiousness. Positivity. Our time here is short and passes quickly. Be happy. Perspective. We choose the meaning we give to experiences. Choose wisely. The next section is titled Skills and consists of ten chapters, the first being Learn. I look forward to seeing you there to deepen our comprehension together. Hey, uh, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to check in and ask if you're enjoying the uneducated audiobook. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Many readers and listeners don't know how hard reviews actually are to come by and how much they help. Part 2. Skills No thief, however skillful, can rob one of knowledge, and that is why knowledge is the best and safest treasure to acquire. L. Frank Baum 11. Learn Live as if you were to die tomorrow. Learn as if you were to live forever. Mahatma Gandhi A woman was having lunch at a cafe. Sitting next to a family, she overheard them celebrating their son's basketball game. The family was so enthusiastic that the woman joined their conversation. Congratulations on winning the game. Was it a major championship? She said. The kid grinned from ear to ear. Thanks, but we lost by 20 points. The other team had a killer defense. We were only able to make one basket. The game was practice before the competitive league begins. I'm guessing it was your first basket. Congrats, she said. Through the cake and ice cream that was lodged in the boy's mouth, 
He said no and shook his head. His father reached across the table and gave him a high five. His mother hugged him and said, Well done. The woman looked perplexed. The boy, seeing the confusion on the woman's face, said, At last week's game, I took nine shots, and they all fell short of the basket. This week, I took eight shots, and three of them hit the rim. Dad says I'm making progress. Willingness Have you heard the phrase, You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? It's a proverb, which means you can give someone an opportunity, but not force them to take it. The same is true when it comes to learning. We can give someone all the resources they need to learn. Books, videos, teachers, audios, instructions, etc. If their desire to learn is absent, little or no learning will happen. We cannot force a person to learn something they do not want. The most important aspect of learning is... 12. Habit We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. William Durant Two young twin brothers, Ted and Todd, were attempting to learn how to ride a bike. After many hours of practice over several weeks, they both could balance and ride to the end of their street. Upon witnessing their accomplishment, their mum, Judy, congratulated both of them. Judy explained to boys how proud she was, more so as she never learned how to ride a bike. Her father told her there was no point, as when she became a teenager, she could use public transport. The thoughts of their grandfather impacted them differently. Ted was excited about the future and continued to ride his bike with enthusiasm. However, Todd thought there's no point to riding a bike, as when he was older, it would be of no use. Judy took Todd to one side and explained there was value in being able to ride a bike. But what's the point? I'm only going to be using a car one day, Todd replied. As they became teenagers, they became more independent and started using public transport to travel further. Ted continued with the same enthusiasm he applied with riding his bike. And Todd had the same, what's the point, mindset. A few more years passed, and the opportunity to learn to drive was upon them. Ted passed his driving test quickly. Todd labored behind. He couldn't understand why he had little motivation to learn to drive when he'd been using it as an excuse not to do things for years. There are times in life when we are being prepared for the future, but it's not always in the ways we expect. The next time you think to yourself, what's the point? 13. Communication You can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. Dale Carnegie There was once a monastery with strict rules. The monks took a vow of silence, with one exemption. Every year, the monks were permitted to speak two words, no more, no less. After his first year at the monastery, the time had come for the monk to speak two words to the head monk. It has been one year, said the head monk. What are the two words you would like to speak? Bed hard, said the monk. Thank you, replied the head monk. Another year passed, and the monk was summoned by the head monk's office. 
It's been one more year, said the head monk. What are the two words you would like to speak? Food awful, said the monk. I see, replied the head monk. Yet another year passed with no word spoken, and time had come to meet with the head monk. What are your two words now, after these three years? I quit, said the monk. Well, I can see why, replied the head monk. All you ever do is complain. You may be wondering what this has to do with communication skills. The more you say, the less people will remember what you've said, and the less you say, the more you will be remembered. Importance Communication is used every day in every environment, from home to the workplace, from shopping to sports. Whenever you're close to people, communication is taking place, even if no words are spoken. Whenever you are far from people, communication... 14. Mentors Children must be taught how to think, not what to think. Margaret Mead Our first mentors, most likely, are our parents or guardians. We see what they do, mimic their behavior, and attain similar results. If we are to achieve different outcomes, we must find other role models those who have walked a similar route and arrived at a destination which looks like the one we aspire to reach. A common challenge, one which I have faced, is reducing the influence of your parents or guardians on your behavior. That's not to say they control what you do, or they lack good intentions. More the fact of being around them, you become them. Over time, your subconscious takes on their mannerisms, habits, and ultimately results. Who you spend time with matters. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Jim Rohn Younger individuals often face the challenge of being around your parents, 16 to 25. However, with property values rising faster than earnings, and an increasing number of 26 to 39-year-olds choose to stay with their guardians rather than rent. The main advantage is clear. A deposit to buy a home can be acquired faster. The disadvantage of becoming your parents and achieving their results at the cost of missing your dreams is often hidden very well in plain sight. Some may argue that this is the super-rich's plan to prevent too many of the working class joining them. Maybe it is. Perhaps it isn't. Now you have this perspective— Choosing to live with your guardians to better your future by saving a deposit. 15. Goals You can only become truly accomplished at something you love. Don't make money your goal. Instead, pursue the things you love doing and then do them so well that people can't take their eyes off you. Maya Angelou One of the most successful basketball players of all time, Michael Jordan, wrote the following in his book, I Can't Accept Not Trying, Michael Jordan on the Pursuit of Excellence. I approach everything step by step. I had always set short-term goals. As I look back, each one of the steps or successes led to the next one. When I got cut from the varsity team as a sophomore in high school, I learned something. I knew I never wanted to feel that bad again, so I set a goal of becoming a starter on the varsity. 
That's what I focused on all summer. When I worked on my game, that's what I thought about. When it happened, I set another goal, a reasonable, manageable goal that I could realistically achieve if I worked hard enough. I guess I approached it with the end in mind. I knew exactly where I wanted to go, and I focused on getting there. As I reached those goals, they built on one another. I gained a little confidence every time I came through. If your goal is to become a doctor and you're getting C's in biology, then the first thing you have to do is get B's in biology and then A's. You have to perfect the first step, then move on to chemistry and physics. Take those small steps. Otherwise, you're opening yourself up to all kinds of frustration. Where would your confidence come from if the measure of success was becoming a doctor? If you try as hard as you could and didn't become a doctor, would that mean your whole life was a failure? Of course not. All those steps are... 16. Leverage The greatest leader is not necessarily the one who does the greatest things. He is the one who gets the people to do the greatest things. Ronald Reagan Stonehenge is a World Heritage Site built around 4,000 years ago. If you're not familiar with how it looks, the site is a circle of rectangular rocks, each around 13 feet, 4 meters tall, 7 feet, 2.1 meters wide, and weighing 25 tons. Archaeologists believe the rocks were brought from a site 20 miles, 32 kilometers away by human effort, which invites the question, how did humans move multiple 25-ton rocks 20 miles without modern-day machinery? To a curious mind, that doesn't fully answer the question. Take yourself back 4,000 years and picture yourself attempting to accomplish this task. Where would you begin? The current theory is they were hauled over land, mounted on sledges, which then slid across rollers. Experiments have been done to show this is possible with the technology they had available 4,000 years ago. Roughly 150 people would have been needed to drag the bigger rocks to their current location. This is a similar method to what was used to build the pyramids in Egypt. The fascinating display of ingenuity that it took to assemble Stonehenge is a brilliant example of leverage. What is leverage? The section has been the hardest one to write, unless my memory is subjective. Distilling leverage down into a single concept that can be applied to all aspects of life has left the page blank two days running, and instead, I'm writing about the challenge rather than the answer. The answer is to... 17. Conformity Don't follow the crowd. Let the crowd follow you. Margaret Thatcher Henry Ford changed the way of life for many people with his vision to make owning a car both practical and affordable. The moving assembly line and mass production techniques that he developed set the standard for worldwide industrial practice in the first half of the 20th century. He was born from humble beginnings, raised on a family farm, schooled in one room. His simple education begs the question, does the modern-day complex education system have that much impact on the outcome of individuals? Ford was interested in mechanical engineering and worked as an apprentice for three years. Working on his inventions outside of work hours, Henry quit his job, aged 35, 
to found his first company, which filed for bankruptcy. However, in 1903, the Ford Motor Company was formed, and the rest is history. Now, compare Henry Ford with one of his employees. And when I say one of Ford's employees, I mean nearly all, as almost all had similar lives, blended in with one another like fish in the ocean. Keeping this analogy, Henry would be a whale, easy to recognize and hard to mistake. Therefore, the question you have to ask is, do I intend to conform and be a fish, or will I stand out and be a whale? I hate conformity. Why? The odds of you being born are one in 400 trillion. And with those odds against you, you were not born to stand in line. You were born to stand out. And to me, conformity is fitting in, standing in line, mimicking those around you. 18. Stillness All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Blaise Pascal Having arrived at the edge of the village, the master sat down under a tree to rest for the night when, suddenly, a villager came running up to her. "'The stone! The stone! Give me the precious stone!' he shouted. "'What stone?' the master asked. "'Last night,' the villager said, "'an angel appeared in my dream. The angel told me to go to the edge of the village at dusk to find a woman under a tree. This woman would give me a precious stone.' which would make me rich forever. The master rummaged in her travel bag and retrieved a stone. The angel probably meant this one, she said, giving the stone to the villager. I found it a few days ago on a forest path. Here, take it. The man looked at the stone with admiration. It was a diamond the size of a fist. The man accepted the rock and went home. But at night, he was unable to go to sleep the whole night. He was tossing and turning in his bed. Something made him feel uneasy. There was something he wasn't getting, and that kept gnawing at him. The next day, at the crack of dawn, he jumped out of bed and ran back to the woman under the tree and said to her, Master, will you help me attain the riches that enable you to give away this diamond so easily? To be like the rock that the waves keep crashing over. It stands unmoved, and the raging of the sea falls still around it. Marcus Aurelius Paradox The very idea of stillness in the modern world is a paradox. Modern times require... 19. Read If you only read the books that everyone else is reading, you can only think what everyone else is thinking. Haruki Murakami Laura was around five or six years old when her dad owned a hardware store. Often, Laura would spend time in the store when there was nowhere else to go. This one time, Laura noticed a box of razor blades in her dad's desk drawer. Her youthful curiosity compelled her to examine the box and its contents. Each blade was individually wrapped, like chewing gum. Interesting, thought Laura. Laura's dad saw her looking and told her, Never take those out of the box, okay? They're sharp. Okay, Laura answered. From that moment on, the razor blades fascinated Laura, and she had to know how sharp they were 
when no one was looking, she went back to her dad's desk, slowly opened the drawer, and apprehensively took one out. With her heart racing, she examined it with her eyes, until her curiosity got the better of her, and she ran the blade across her finger. Laura was horrified as her skin split wide open, blood gushed out, and it hurt like hell. As is the case with these types of situations, Laura's dad came back into the office at that exact moment. He saw what happened and grabbed Laura's finger to stop the bleeding. Thankfully, she didn't need stitches, but as her dad was carefully washing and bandaging the cut, he asked with disbelief, Why did you do what I told you not to do? Why is this story relevant to a chapter about reading? Laura's dad represents the advice you can receive from books and other sources. Laura is you. 20. Decision All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Gandalf, the Lord of the Rings Once, Buddha was walking from one town to another with a few of his followers. While they were traveling, they passed a lake. Buddha was thirsty and asked one of his disciples to get some water for the group. As the disciple neared the lake, he noticed some people were washing clothes in the water, and right at that moment, a bullet cart started crossing the lake. As a result, the water became very muddy. The disciple thought, How can I give this muddy water to Buddha to drink? So he came back and told the Buddha what happened. The Buddha chose to rest by the lake under the tree. After around half an hour, again, the Buddha asked the same disciple to go back to the lake and get the group some water to drink. The disciple went back to the lake, which was clear this time. The mud had settled down, so he collected the water and brought it to the group. The Buddha looked at the water and then looked at the disciple and said, See, you let the water be, and the mud settled on its own. You got clear water. It didn't require any effort. Your mind is like the water. When it is disturbed, let it be. In time, it'll settle down on its own. Aside from the facts, a clear mind is an effective decision-maker. Avoid making decisions when the mind is clouded. Rubber Band Have you ever helped a friend, colleague, or client make a decision that could change the direction of their future? For instance, to move to a different city, change career, or retire early. Most start with a pros and cons list. However, when both options are evenly... Summary Skills Schooling doesn't assure employment, but skill does. Amit Kalantri As with the personality section, here is a 10-word or less summary of each skills chapter. Learn be curious, adapt, grow. Habit. Build life-enhancing rituals to bypass willpower. Communication. Listen, understand, then communicate, clearly and slowly. Mentors. Model those who have taken the path you desire. Goals. Channel your effort and keep you focused. Leverage. Use in every area to maximize the result and reduce labor. Conformity. 
Break society's chains. Be you. Stillness. Less is more. Read. Mold your mind with books. Decision. Reduce options for easy decisions. Hey, we've made it to the final chapter of the audiobook, and I hope you've enjoyed it so far. If you've not done so yet, I'd be incredibly thankful if you could take just a minute to leave a quick review on Audible, even if it's just a sentence or two. Many readers and listeners don't know how hard reviews actually are to come by and how much they help an author. To do so, just click the three dots in the top right corner of your screen inside of your Audible app and hit the Rate and Review button. Then, you'll be taken to the Rate and Review page, where you can enter your star rating and then write a sentence or two. It's that simple. I look forward to reading your review, and I personally read every single one. I'm very... This has been Uneducated, What We Didn't Learn in School, written by Joe Hinchliffe, narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2021 by Joe Hinchliffe. Production copyright by Joe Hinchliffe. More information regarding today's book and the author can be found at audible.com or amazon.com. Show notes and further information can be found at russellericnewton.com. With an eclectic collection of insights, knowledge, and trivia from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Over Work podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.